into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Edinburgh's number one team, Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. I have to start off by um, talking about the audio, and I'm not in a Connecticut cave, but I've moved house, so I'm... uh, it's not the same kind of audio that you normally get. So apologies in advance if it's a little bit off-putting. Um, three games to, to talk about, most recently on, on Tuesday night with the, the game against Hibs. So, yeah, looking forward to this week. Lots of things to talk about. And, um, yeah, let's get, this, let's get this show on the road from this Connecticut cave. Indeed. Apologies for Mark's poor acoustics this oh. week. Oh, is that better? <laughs> we are also we are also joined by our other host and now twenty-two timed cap twenty-two cap winner. Do you call it a winner? He's got twenty-two caps for Australia anyway. Ryan McGowan. How are we doing, boys? Mm-hmm. We're good. Con- congratulations on uh, on cap number twenty-two. Yes, because- as, I was, as I was coming on, I was thinking, get it right up those two who just say I'm always on the bench. And then what happened? Exactly. What happened in the next few minutes? Did you not concede? Then they scored, so it was <laughs> <laughs> So it was all the you, twos. You did something that Alfredo Morelos didn't do. Uh, you you travelled halfway around the world, but at least you actually managed to get some game time. Unlike him, who went to Colombia and got nothing. And now you're on 22. Hearts never got further than 22. Um, because we conceded a goal at Tynecastle um, and Hibs eventually beat us. I think it was 89 to 94 or 95, and um, and they eventually got their goal, Gordon Hunter. So once you get to 23, you'll have done something that, that Hearts were unable to do. Do you think you'll get to 23? That, that was an awkward silence. Is he still there? Sorry, 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 sorry. I was on the phone. Sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> I got my Uber. I got uh, Uber Eats coming. Oh, for <laughs> fuck! <laughs> you said you got an Uber. Give me, give me, give me, give me two, give me two minutes. Can you this this Kyle, you can edit this out. You can edit this out. No. No. When, when I was when I was doing some baseball nonsense, he kept that in to take the piss out of me. You're not getting away with this. Mark I, thought go, I thought you were going to go on one of your tangents, so I thought I've got two well, I did, and then ask you a question. Um, Mark's... <laughs> what, what, this is a very the, difficult thing to do. It's this is important. What, what are you ordering? Uh, some sushi. I'll, I'll send a pic. Well, it's no use for the listeners, is it? I, mean, I, could, I could put it on Twitter <laughs> afterwards. So oh, Mark sounds like he's in a toilet, and Ryan's ordering sushi. And this is meant to be the recording of the podcast. 
Yeah, I mean, Jesus. So he's 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 muted himself now. So it suggests he's oh. back and back and back and back and back and back and back. And back. All right, what kind of sushi? Uh, do you want to tell you my order? Yeah, it's very difficult <laughs> here to um to order things that they they call. I've got dynamite shrimp, California roll, tempura roll, salmon sashimi. There you go, guys. I'm, look, I'm looking at the map. All right, Kuwait's not too far from from the water, depending on where. Where you are, you've you've got the Persian right. Gulf, not too far. So, uh, is it freshly caught fish from there? Uh, I'm not sure it's that well, hmm. but it's um it's the first time I've ordered from this place. Oh. But they um keep us up. They very they get very funny about where I stay, and they can't they can never find it. So that was the little guy saying, oh. talking to me in Arabic, and then trying to get him to uh, understand English. Um, so, do, do you want to answer the question then? Not what you're having for dinner. Do you think you'll get to cap number 23? Inshallah. <laughs> As they say here, inshallah. Yeah, uh, I'd like to think so. We've got a couple more games. We've got two more games in March. And then depending on now how they go, we'll have possibly playoffs in June, if not friendlies in June. Then another camp before the World Cup. So... Possibility. There's probably before what, the, maybe, maybe before the World Cup. Possibly before the World Cup. Yeah, depending on how you go. So. And let, let's put you on the spot. Do you think your short-term international future is dependent on the speed of Harry Souter's recovery? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. Um, okay. So you know, he's probably our first choice centre back. I would say. Um, so, yeah, depending on how his injury goes, I think he's doing relatively well. But, you know, at the same time, you want your, your best players fit. So um, if he could get back before the playoffs, which I think he possibly might be struggling for, I think he's probably looking at August time to be back fit and firing. But, um, yeah, it would definitely be good if, if he was in the squad as um, he's one of our better players. But until he's not... Until he's as not, long, as long as he's not, you've got great opportunity to yes to kind of yeah. I mean, because of it. can you imagine? Um, what we'll do is we will, or I will get the wife who's got one of these cricket machines that prints stuff on. So I've already got the logo from Laurie. So I'll get you a T-shirt for the World Cup when you cross <laughs> for um, Tom Rogic, uh, Rogic to score uh, in your opening group game, and you t- you put your Australia shirt over your head and it reveals the scarves around the funnel t-shirt underneath there you go there you go how's that sound sounds good let's yeah. just try and let's get there first and then we can <laughs> yeah let's okay. get there yeah, first jump ahead a wee bit yeah i mean you drew with you drew with oman so um yeah still some work to be uh, done yeah we need it was obvious. Japan, japan at home and saudi away oh yeah so good luck oh so, man yeah. oh man yeah. anyway um uh, uh, so has your food not arrived yet? Was he outside? Or? Um, you guys have confused me and I've confused the Uber driver, so I'm not too sure where, <laughs> where he is. But, um, it's going to be like that episode edit, of The Simpsons. Edit that out. Edit that no, out. no, no. It's like the episode of The Simpsons where Homer can only eat 0.1% of the fish, uh, otherwise he dies. I hope you don't anyway, anyway we'll, we'll get an update on Ryan's Uber Eats yeah. order, I'm sure, as we progress. But we will talk about... Three games, Celtic, Motherwell and Hibernian on this week's show and probably something else entirely unrelated.
Okay, first up, um, let's start with Celtic. Last midweek at the time of recording, Heart of Midlothian going into this game after starting two matches in a row against Celtic a little bit slowly. We spoke about it on the podcast. We spoke about playing with an intensity, trying to um, press Celtic back, not let them get into the rhythm and, I guess, play on the front foot play aggressively to try and avoid similar didn't really work out that way did it Mark and I know um, I felt very frustrated after the game a lot of fans did as well first up with the team a, a bit of an odd one this you know we've, we've seen the 3-4-3 work quite well for Hearts we have seen them adjust a 4 um, on the whole they've not looked as comfortable pretty much a 4-4-2 that Robbie went with in this one with Smith at right back Suter and Halkett in, in the centre Kingsley left back Cochrane up to to left midfield. Um, how did you feel about the way we set up for this match? I always think when you have a shape and you play it more often than not, when you do change it, sometimes you're showing a little bit too much respect to the opposition. And I think that might have been the case with hindsight. Looking back, we hardly laid a glove on them in the first half. Um, I thought Craig should have done better um, for Hatati's goal, but Craig knows he should have done better. And... Because he set the bar so high, Craig Gordon, any slip-up or anything like that is magnified because he is yeah. a world-class goalkeeper. And he'll know. He doesn't need me or anybody else. Um, Al, Al McGregor's had uh, a couple of um, dodgy moments prior to the Celtic game. And it just when you reach a certain level and you, you, you make an error, and look... Who are we to say it's an error? Because so I was—I mean, I was going to say that because I think I think he should have done better. I think he'll be disappointed with himself, but I don't know how much it translated onto the coverage watching it at home. But that ball absolutely flew in. I'd like to see what oh, the mm-hmm. the speed was, and also um, again, I don't know if you watched the replays of a few times. I think it's Halkett who runs across and not really deliberately but you know he runs across Craig's view and the ball kind of passes him as he runs across him so it's you know a bit unsighted as as he does that I think he should have done better I think he'd be disappointed but it's not a glaring error for me I think the speed of the shot is I I agree when you say he'll be disappointed with that and, and Ryan will know the same as well what I would say is Craig Gordon doesn't have anything to do if the guys in front of him do their job better or do yeah. their job properly. Natty Atkinson, for me, has been a very bright spot since coming in, but he does have a tendency to maybe take an extra touch, dwell on the ball too much, and he was dispossessed. And that meant, when, when you've got a shape, and Ryan can help us out here as, as a, a top defender himself, when you've got a shape and you're in possession, there's one shape when you're in possession, but then when you lose the ball quickly or unintentionally, you've got to quickly get back. And when Natty Atkinson loses the ball, it then becomes difficult, Ryan, as a centre-back, when, when your right wing-back or your right-back cuts in field, gives the ball away, what's going through your head as a centre-back when they have a player in possession, a midfielder, who's got a lot of space and is only 35 yards from goal? Yeah, initially you're just trying to work out what you're going to do. Are you going to press the ball? Do you think that the... The initial danger is where the ball is or where your striker is if he's making a run off you because goals happen so quickly in transition. And I think there was like a crazy stat in one of the last World Cups was that, you know, 60% of goals were scored 12 seconds after giving the ball away or winning the ball. 
because like that teams are so expansive when they have it and then that initial once you win the ball back they're not set up in shape so if you can get at them at that point um and touching on the craig gordon i sometimes think your first initial reactions are normally right like when that when he hit that ball and it went in i think everyone went what a strike no one went what's the goalie doing and it's not until you like slow it down and I think sometimes slowing it down is the worst thing to happen in football because you just think, well, just chuck your hands up. But I think the ball was already past them by the time he yeah. even got his hands up. It was hit that well and um, probably no one was expecting him to hit it um, as well as he did. So like you said, I think he would pro- possibly be um, upset with it, but I think that's just because of the standards that he set over the yeah. last 20 years. Definitely. I mean, um, in terms of the first staff as a whole, I think, you know, near Beaton's sitting role, I think, certainly stifled Hearts quite a bit. thought he controlled things. The whole Celtic midfield three, I thought, played really well. Um, obviously, the new new signing as well from MK Dons as well. Yeah, looked, looked very accomplished as well as Beaton in there. Um, I guess what disappointed me was, and obviously Celtic's tactics had, um, an influence on this, but we never really pressed the Celtic backline, which is no. where we know the weaknesses are. And the few times we even got remotely close to them, they managed to knock the ball out of play under very little pressure. <sighs> Ryan, how much, you know, obviously when you're watching that, how much of it is, is easy easy for me or for Mark or whoever to say in the stands, why are we not pressing? Why are we not pressing? Is a lot of it still down to the fact that Celtic just didn't let us do that? Um, yeah. Or is it somewhere in between? It's a combination of all of all of those factors. It's, you know, like we've said before, if you're pressing high up or if you're, so say if Hearts are pressing Celtic high up the pitch and they can break that press, all of a sudden everyone's going, why are we so high? Why they just keep going passing through us? And they, I mean, they can, like similar a little bit to Rangers, you know, with the two balls over the top and all of a sudden it's 2-0. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that's possibly in the back of their mind. But then when you sit back, you then give up possession and you give up territory. And all of a sudden you're thinking, well, at some point we need to get the ball back and at some point we are going to have to press. So there's that fine balance of of working between the two. But um, yeah, like you said, I, I always just think at Tynecastle, Hart should just start on the front foot um, and give it a go. But it, it is you're a opening one minute, we were okay. <laughs> we had a <laughs> shot at the opening minute. It went, it went downhill from there. Um, but yeah, then I sometimes think you have to give credit to you know the team that you're playing against. Like Celtic were were very good in that first half. I thought as as bad as Hearts were, I thought Celtic were pretty good. But at the same time, it makes it frustrating I, when you see the second half and you see that you know when we did press them and we did start getting possession in their half, the problems that we caused them. It's only human nature to say why didn't we do that for the whole ninety minutes? And um, I think I seen a pretty interesting tweet after last night's result between Celtic and Rangers, you know, we were what a width of a, or a lick of paint away from, from yeah. taking a draw off Celtic, what, five days ago, six days ago. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's the, it is those, those fine margins in football. Yeah. I mean, fine margins involved Mark in um, two of the goals, uh, you know, I think the referees or the assistants in this instant didn't get too much scrutiny because I think if the decisions are correct, Celtic are still winning the game by a goal. Uh, albeit, you can maybe say that near near B. Tom was maybe fortunate enough to get a second yellow for a handball. But 
Um, away from the decisions themselves, second half hearts were much better, especially from about an hour in. Um, Ellis Sims came on for his debut at halftime. Benny Beningame made his um, return 58 minutes on the clock. I thought both of them had a big impact and looked impressive. Really enjoying seeing Ellis Sims. I think he'll be a, an excellent player between now and, and the end of the season. The issue that I've got with, with Hearts right now is the element of, of reaction versus proaction. And as Ryan was saying, and you've mentioned as well, starting out quickly, getting on the front foot rather than waiting till we're 2-0 down. I mean, the, the, the League Cup tie, I think the 3-2 game, that's never a 3-2 game in a million years. It looks a lot closer than it was, but... So we had to be kind of down and nearly out to, to, to kind of start playing. So, I mean, it's the whole freestyle aspect of, of, of Hearts and, and letting the players just get on with it um, to an extent. We seem to get a better reward um, this season when, when we do that, rather than kind of, I don't know if it's being, if it's overcomplicating things or, or what it is, but... There have been times where it's it's not gung ho, but when we've just done things, got forward quick as, quicker than we than we have, we've looked a lot better. There's a bigger there's a bigger argument, not argument, a bigger discussion to to have here because I'm still seeing some negativity despite the fact we're ten points clear in third. Whereas I'm sure if you'd offered those same people who are kind of offering the negativity right now that position at the start of the season after twenty odd games, we, we would be where we are. But it's the whole expectation level now, isn't it? And I know we'll get on to talk about that. We're talking about Celtic right now, and then we'll talk about Motherwell and, and Hibs. But the expectation level changes um, when you do better. When, when, when your expectation level at the start of the season, among some, is oh, fourth would be good. But if you overachieve, Ryan, you'll have played for teams that have probably overachieved where you thought you might be. How difficult is it to adapt the expectation level of others to your game plan. It is tricky, and I think it's especially tricky in Scotland. So I think most other leagues, well, when I was at Sydney, there was maybe four teams that were similar, and then we were arguably better than the rest. Um, so when you're at Hearts, you're expected to be better than the rest, and then you obviously have the old firm who have the bigger resources and historically are two better teams than you. So it's almost that you need to play differently. And I think that's where the argument comes from. I just think you should just play that way no matter who you're playing against. Um, and I don't know, I was going to ask you, I don't know if it's possibly maybe Robbie or, you know, sort of that underdog tag of let's just try and stay in the fight for as long as we can. You know, against Celtic, let's roll with the punches. And if it's still only 1-0 or, you know, we can nick a goal from a corner or something and then the last 30 minutes... We get the crowd on our side and we can really push for it. Don't know if that was kind of his game plan going on into that that Celtic game. But possibly. I mean, I guess the frustration for a lot of people and I think there's a different I know I know a lot of people have said you can't play like that for ninety against Celtic. But and I get that, you probably can't, but I think the problem is we keep end up chasing the game. So in, in many ways, like in the very first game of the season, we ended up you know, on the back foot with Celtic having most of the possession for most of the game, but we we started well and we got a lead. So I think you'd rather be, you know, I think you'd rather be sitting off and maybe having those spells when you have a lead, but we keep being a couple of goals down by the time we start playing. And obviously against 
any team that's tough, but against Celtic, it's really tough. And we still almost gave, you know, you know, Boyce got us back into it, albeit like the Celtic second goal should have been disallowed. Um, penalty kick, which is not really much doubt about that one for the handball. Um, Liam Boyce now five from eight from spot kicks, but this is <laughs> this is probably, Mark, about as close as you can get um, to uh, scoring a penalty without scoring because it hits the post and... Um, the Hearts fans start to cheer because it looks like it's it's going in coming off the post. It's going to spin back in, but agonizingly spins all the way along the line, and then comes out the other side. It kind of reminded me of that time that Stephen Whitaker rattled like both posts, yeah, from the Osborne stand in the in the Edinburgh derby. Agonizing. Um, does does he stay on penalty kicks for you? Robbie says he does, and that's good enough for me. Yeah. It, it's like it's like in the NFL if a running back. Um, Cam Akers plays for the Rams who are in the Super Bowl, and, and he fumbled a couple of times, and it, it was nearly very costly. you got two options. You kind of ostracize them and say, well, that's it, you're done, until you, someone else fumbles and you get another opportunity. Or you go right back to the well. And I'm keen to get Ryan's take here as well. I think he gets one more. Um, yeah. I, 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 hate, I hate a missed penalty that costs you. I don't mind if you're 4-0 up and it's a missed penalty, who gives a toss? But, he's, but he scored his last one. So why wouldn't he be on penalties? Now, that's a question. But if Robbie says he, he wants to give it back to him, that's what they're doing. They're going back to the well. They're, they're giving him a chance to, to make up for, for his error. So I, I, I don't know. Um, I would keep him on because I don't think we, we have anybody else that's, that's shown that they are an obvious penalty taker. I, yeah, I don't know. that's I, I don't what know. I was going to say. Yeah, does Barry Mackay take penalties? Um, I, uh, I don't know. The, the other thing is as well, with the way that Stephen Kingsley takes set plays and how yeah. accurate he is, could yeah. he be an option? Cup, he cup missed final. the final, yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's yeah, the thing. Got, Sometimes it's like Rudy Scatchel. Everyone used to say, why did Rudy not take penalties? He just didn't like him. He wasn't overly good at him. Yeah, everyone would assume that he would be yeah. unbelievable at taking penalties. Sometimes within that squad... I'm it's, just trying to think of hearts. Who else? It's often a mentality have? thing, isn't it? Because like Stephen yeah. Presley used to take penalties, and he's not someone that you'd. That just, I mean, Stephen Presley when he would score, it would either be a header, uh, it would either be a header in open play, or maybe like, what knocking it in from close range. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't have thought Stephen Presley had much in the way of shooting ability. You wouldn't see him curling many in from the edge of the box mm. or anything, would you? But I wonder if Ellis Sims. Find out because you, you you're looking for someone that's. It's like when James Milner plays, he's on pens. Um, maybe now with Mohamed Salah on that record and, and then missed. But you, you have a kind of designated penalty taker, um, Matt Letizia or, or whatever, way back in the day. Ellis Sims, perhaps. I think Boyce is on his, he's on his last warning. If he misses one more, <laughs> then I think he's off them. But Robbie says he, he, he keeps them on them, so I've got to trust the coach. Well won, by the way, Atkinson. Now Boyce on the right. Looks to play it through for Sims. Missed by Carroll. Sims goes after it. Right side of the area. Little back heel, but it's behind Devlin. And Motherwell have given it away, though. Devlin. Back towards Halliday. Low shot. Nice one finish. to Hearts. Spinning. Sloppy from Motherwell at the back. It looked like Hearts had given up the opportunity. But it's handed back to Devlin, who rolls it across. And it's Andy Halliday who arrives from the left-hand slide to slide the ball into the bottom right corner. And just like that, Hearts ahead. Eight minutes left in the first half. Halliday with the goal. Hearts to Midlothian, one. 
Motherwell nil. Well won by Devlin though, maybe a chance on the break now for the men in Maroon. Devlin charging into the Motherwell half. Devlin still going, rolls it to Boyce in the area on the angle, across the box, yes, tapped in by brilliant. First start, brilliant. first goal, it's a wonderful counter, led by Cammy Devlin, and Liam Boyce just squares it across the box, and at the back post, to score for the first time in Maroon, it's Ellis Sims, and Hearts double their advantage, Hart of Midlothian 2, Motherwell 0. Okay. Motherwell Hearts with a chance to bounce back from the defeat to Celtic at home to their closest challengers in the table. So a big game at Tynecastle. Uh, some changes to the team. Um, Craig Halkett, who we now know is out for about four to six weeks with a hamstring issue, was out. So John Souter moved into the centre of the back three. Taylor Moore came into his right. Um, Michael Smith struggling with back spasms again, which he's had issues with previously. So Nathaniel Atkinson into right wing back as Hearts return to a 3-4-3. Sims, Boyce and Gary McKay-Steven, the sort of attacking three. So almost a front two really with Sims and Boyce at times. And uh, Benny Beningamy and Cami Devlin reunited in the centre. Um, big game, Mark, against a side who really outplayed us and outfought us and just out everythinged us in the last game at Fir Park but again Hearts didn't start very well in this game kind of a bit off the pace and um, I think the first half it would certainly be Motherwell who would have been the happier of the two sides Yeah and there was a couple of chances uh, Van Veen had had a really good opportunity there was one just before half time you're, you're kind of yeah. thinking that was a that was a hell of a let off they're not a bad side and there was just a feeling I got about this game. This this was a big game. This was a, a really big game for Hearts to put a marker down because when you play your nearest challenger, and that's what it is in the league table right now, third against fourth, the swing can be huge. It can go to a, if it's a 10-point lead, uh, well, it was probably seven before that. So it could go to 10 or it could come into four. And with the goal difference um, in Hearts' favour, they need something. And, I was, I was pleased with the way we played in the second half. And Ian McLeod, who was a guest a few weeks ago, he's been on a couple of times. He was on with Ken Stott. He's, he's talking quite a lot about hearts in the first half compared with hearts in the second half. And it is a dichotomy. It's a lot of the time it's like, well, where did that performance come from in both halves? So it was a good win. It was an important win. And thankfully, we, we were able to pick it up in the second half and in the end it was comfortable but I don't agree with some of Graham Alexander's comments afterwards I think he's taken his chances for his side in isolation and kind of conveniently forgotten about the the chances that that Hearts had yeah I mean first half Hearts did get the lead Andy Halliday who actually been playing pretty well um around this time scoring the opening goal but yeah I don't think at halftime Hearts had deserved the lead but at the same time I wouldn't think Motherwell were streets ahead they just seemed to have a little bit of an extra yard of pace about them but second half much better from Hearts um, and one player who who gets on the score sheet in the second half is first start Ryan who I really like the look of is, is Ellis Sims and it's a it's a simple finish in the end but the movement and the awareness is exactly what you want from from someone playing up front for you. Yeah, I think so. I think he's. I've been really impressed by him. You know, his runs, his hold up play. I think he's been a really good um, find for the club, and he's hit the ground running as well. 
you know, he's come in and sometimes it's difficult for strikers to to get that link up initially. But, um, yeah, I thought I thought he took his goal really well and uh, we'll probably touch on it with the derby. I think he did everything right in, in the chances that he had with the derby. It was just probably down to some good saves. Mark, that probably, you know, the game itself probably shows, I think, where we're at just now. You know, after seeing Celtic controlling a lot of the start of the game against us in the week the team who have been the best side be below us in the table um come to Tyne Castle and I think I liked Robbie's assessment and I said this on Twitter afterwards he was pleased with the result but he was disappointed with how we played and he said we should be playing better than that at Tyne Castle so I think there's two things I, I like first of all one that he's setting those standards and he's not just gonna you know brush off um, how we played for spells in that because we got the result, but also we managed to get result without playing at our best against the fourth best team in the league. I think that shows a lot about where we're at with the manager and the players. And I like the fact he acknowledges that. I think it's a, an excellent achievement to be 10 points clear in third, where on average, I don't think we've been anywhere near our best. I think we're 65, 70% right now. And in stages of, of set, certain second halves, I think we go up to maybe 75, 80%. And we dip in, in certain games to below 50%. But I think we're, we're pretty solid at 65 to 70% of what we're capable of. Right now, that 65 to 70% of what we're capable of is good enough to be 10 points clear of the next best challenger. I think that is the biggest takeaway from all of this. And it, it, it shows me with both a competition for places, and I can't remember if we spoke about this last week. I'm not sure we did. I think one of the biggest things for Hearts to benefit them between now and the end of the season is going to be the increase in uh, being allowed to make five subs. Because Hearts bench recently, and I know we've had Halkett out injured and, and Suter out injured for the derby, but prior to that, a couple of games before that, we've named as strong a bench as I can remember for a long time. And if we have the ability to bring on five players, if required, these players that we're bringing on are much better than the equivalent players at other teams, in my opinion, because I think we've got a strong squad. So for us to be 25, 30, 35% off our top form and still be 10 points clear, a lot of people deserve a lot of praise for that. Yeah, getting to the third of our three matches and the big Edinburgh derby against Hibs. Before this one, Ryan, I guess a bit of the news because the transfer window ended, um, what, 20, 24, 48 hours before this game. Uh, John Souter, despite a, a late um, bid from Rangers, remained a Hearts player. And I, I know we had a chat about this, uh, the three of us on WhatsApp. Probably changed our feeling. And I think we, we all felt he was going to go at the end of the window. It was just play the usual games and we try and get as much as we can and Rangers try and knock the price down as much as possible. But I think Halkett being out for about a month and a half, um, Smith having some issues just now, it would have taken, I think, a lot of money for us to to give Suter up with, you know, with that carrot of Europe dangling in front of us. Yeah, I think so. I think if Halkett doesn't get injured, it's a totally different situation. And, it, and it, it does make it tricky. And I think that's it should just be finished. It, there was a lot of, I think, the first game after it all announced, it wasn't you know, a great atmosphere for, for him. But I think you know, since then, it, it has 
been better. And I think also his performances have been to a standard where people are probably thinking, well, yeah, he's he is here for the end of the season and we, and we just need to get behind him. Sunday will be interesting if he's fit again. Yeah, <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah, it will be interesting. But it's also, you know, if, if I'm John Suter, I would be wanting to go there and, and you know, really put on a, a strong performance, you know, for the fans and for everyone to yeah. be like, yeah, we can't wait to, to have him. Well, Jordan Jones scored, didn't he? He scored for Kamarnik against Rangers when he'd already agreed a, pre- so, yeah. a pre-contract to to join them. Um, so, if anything, you know, I think I've seen a lot of tweets about people think uh, about saying, you know, you can look at it two ways. Is he maybe a little bit cheesed off that they didn't offer a little bit more money to to entice him? You know, I think we don't yeah. know what they were offering, but you would argue that if they really, really wanted him in January, they would have you know, upped it and, and wanted whatever Hearts valued him at. So, you know, he might have a little bit in his back of his mind of saying, well, listen, I'll show you that you should have got me in January instead of waiting until the end of the season. And and also he's heavily invested in the season with Hearts. So, you know, he'll be wanting to make sure that you get third wrapped up and, and be leaving on a high and not, and not sort of losing these games and having everyone then question, you know, his performance against Rangers. Ryan, when you're a pro, you, you should act and always probably do act like a pro. You, you, you can't just switch it on and off. I'll try today, I'll not try today. He's got Scotland games coming up. He wants to be a part of that. He wants to show Rangers what they're getting. And I, I totally agree. If, if Halka hadn't got injured, it might have been a different ball game. The whole Aaron Ramsey scenario as well, that might have taken up funds that they could have used uh, for, for John Suter. I know that a couple of pals of mine on the WhatsApp group that were in were annoyed that Rangers didn't spend up to get John Suter. Whether or not he would have been able to play in the uh, in the old firm game uh, remains to be seen because he failed a fitness test at, I think, 12 o'clock on the, the Tuesday for the Edinburgh Derby. But one thing that Robbie Nielsen did say right at the end of his interview with Luke Shanley on Sky Sports, when Luke asked him, if John Suter is fit and available for action on Sunday, does he start against Rangers? Robbie didn't even pause, simply said 100%. Indeed. Uh, one thing, I mean, looking at the so 3 4 1 2 formation, pretty much Hibs and Hearts matching each other with the way they set up against one another. Uh, Suter was out, which meant Moore stayed at right centre back, Kingsley at left centre back, but Mr. Toby Sibick came in for his first start of his second spell. And um, did all right, didn't he, Mark? Did very well. Had one mistake, made amends for it straight afterwards. He used his pace to get himself back into position and and blocked the shot, having given the ball away. Cleared it off the line. I thought all round he he was excellent. And that's the first time ever that he has played in the middle of a back three in his career. And you wouldn't know. And I think I'm trying to accentuate positives this week, and there's a reason for that because I like the position that we're in in the table. We have a, a back three in front of a goalkeeper, and you can argue Halliday and Atkinson as well. We've never played together before Moore, Civic, and Kingsley, and we still keep a clean sheet, albeit slightly fortuitous with a couple of things, but we keep a clean sheet. And we're disappointed that we've only gone away from home and taken a point. So I think that's praiseworthy. And I think. The first time around, was he not more of a kind of defensive midfielder that could also play at centre-back? Is he yeah, a I mean, centre-back that can also fill in as a defensive midfielder? 
I think he's still naturally a, a defensive midfielder, but he has been played in defence before. We only had him for a couple of games last time, so he played in midfield in those ones. But he has played both, and he's got plenty of experience in the championship, so he's got a decent CV. I mean, in terms of the game, I was surprised. What I'd heard about Hibbs was that they've been playing a very patient, possession-based game, dominating all the ball, but doing very little of it past the kind of centre of the park and not getting it forward very quickly and lacking a sort of intensity and aggression. But to be fair to them, I thought they started the game much better and they actually were getting at us, you know, a lot of pace from the wing-backs. I thought in terms of the wing-back battle, Hibbs certainly controlled that area of the pitch in the first half. But I would still say there's a big... um, There's a big gap for them, a big Martin Boyle shaped gap for them when it comes to the final third because for all their possession I thought Cammy Devlin had the best chance of the game unfortunately it's not Cammy Devlin's forte to finish after making a little run behind the defence and the big talking point in the first half which was this was almost um, like that that penalty against Hawk and Leck that I couldn't believe wasn't given, was it that one? Um, no it was against Motherwell sorry wasn't it? Um the, the barge on Halliday in that one. I, I don't understand how the referee's not given a penalty. I was kind of gobsmacked at the time. I was like, okay, maybe the replay, because I've not got one up at the back of the main stand, will show me something I didn't see. But it's clear as day, is it, Ryan? I mean, it's it's a stonewall penalty kick. I think it's harder to explain why it's not. than why I, I just can't think what the ref is thinking not to give it. He, he must... Assume that he thinks it's shoulder to shoulder. He does. That's the only way he can do it. But even then, it's uh, Stevenson. You can go shoulder to shoulder if you're trying to get the ball. I feel like he's not trying to get the ball. Battles into him. (laughs) It's just. It's just. If Stevenson does it and then he ends up getting the ball, I think it's a little bit different because you see that happen all the time with players. But you can just tell that Stevenson's trying to wipe him out because. One, he's not going to get there. And two, he knows the goalie's not going to get there before he does. And it's just, you can understand Robbie's frustration. <laughs> and yeah. then to go over and book him, is, it's just, oh, it's so frustrating watching, isn't it? You just think, what are they, what are they looking at? I thought it Robbie was going to get to jail. <laughs> <laughs> it frustrates me, Mark, because, because we've spoken about this so many times before. Now, the two offsides in the Celtic game... Okay, they're offsides. They're not the huge offsides that we we saw in that Auchinleck Talbot game. But sometimes you just say you shouldn't need a video replay when you're the referee's got a good, a good view of it. He's kind of unobstructed, looking straight at it from like fifteen yards, maybe or something. I just I don't understand what's he what's his explanation for that. You can't sit shoulder to shoulder because I mean I looked at it a few times and Stevenson barges into him when the ball's well ahead. It's not like a, a, an even shoulder to shoulder. He like kind of puts his body down, which obviously makes him a, a, like almost speeding him a little bit more from the side. It's just such a blatant penalty and yellow card. Is that part of his thinking? He's worried because it's going to be a second yellow if he gives it. Well, he shouldn't be refereeing if he's thinking that and that's going through his mind. It's from his opinion... And, and the hand gestures that he makes for both, this is, this is key. And I put a tweet out about this, uh, along with Robbie's post-game um, on, on Sky and, and his comments. He thinks it's shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder 
because he immediately kind of waves it away. No, no, that's fine. No, no problem. No foul. No issue. And then he points to his chest for the second one when it clearly hits his his arm. And I guess happened pretty quickly. He's got them both wrong. So Robbie Nielsen ends up with a yellow. If Robbie had continued with the protestations, he would have got a second yellow and he would have been banned. Um, what happens to the referees? And don't get me started on, on the whole wrong stories that appeared in the press that, oh, Kevin Clancy's been taken off SPFL games this weekend because of the, <laughs> the screw-up at Aberdeen. No, the, the, the appointments get made a few weeks in advance. The referees already know. It's easy to castigate. We want to make them better. Now, I'd like to think, and, and there's so many things you would want to kind of ask a manager if he comes on your podcast, and we kind of forget about it. The next time that either Robbie's on the podcast or Don Robertson referees a Hearts game... I think you say Don Robertson's on the podcast. <laughs> no. Does Don Robertson phone up Robbie Nielsen and kind of say, I got that wrong? Does Robbie admit to the fact that Don phones him up, or is it just a kind of look? I I, I don't know. Um, it, it, it's a tough one. Hearts should have had two penalties. For for me, it's if it's a penalty, it's a second yellow. There is there's, it's got to be a second yellow that changes the game because you know what Hearts are like. We'll probably miss the two penalties, but playing against ten <laughs> men, we would have had more of a chance um, to to come away with all three. It's just it's frustrating. I don't like speaking after every game about referee decisions because yeah. it makes you sound like a paranoid Rangers or Celtics. Well, they should, they should stop making crap decisions then, shouldn't they? Um, I wanted to talk about it. First of all, when was the last time you can remember back-to-back Hearts games where there was passbacks given? Now, I want to talk about this as well because I was chatting to Luke Shanley last night and said, the next time you see Crocker, Ian Crocker, because Crocker was still up, they couldn't sleep after the old firm game. It was like 2.30 in the morning, UK time. I said, by the way, you made a comment, Ian Crocker, about, oh, you don't see that very often when Hearts got an indirect free kick against him. <laughs> if, if you'd watched the game before. at the weekend, you would have seen that as well. So it's the question I would have, when was the last time Hearts had two games back-to-back where they got into... Has that ever happened? It's not a, an easy stat to find out, even it, for London Hearts. But 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 Hearts are shite at them. And most well, teams are shite at them. Everyone's shite at them. Well, yeah, I was gonna say. So I've, I've got an idea. I've got an idea. Right, I've, I've got an idea from someone who has scored more goals in Edinburgh Derbys than anyone else who gave me it after the game, who was annoyed oh. at this. So Robbo was chatting to us after the game, frustrated at the fact he says, you know, he, he so he said, so he said what you should, what they should be doing because they're touching it and all the defence are set for him to touch it and then the first player to shoot. So he said what they should be doing is, so the first player touches it to to Kingsley, whoever it is, and as they all run out, touches it along again, so it opens up for another man, like, out to the left, who's got more space to shoot towards. He said either that, or he says, better than do what we did, just smash it straight from the shot. Just hit it, even though it's indirect, because it's it's unlikely it's going to get through all that without a touch. If it does and it goes straight in, then, well, it's unlucky, and it's disallowed, but... Um, so that was Robbo telling us, <laughs> telling us his his um, uh, set play plans that he would have went with rather than what we did. But the latter, the latter is absolutely spot on. So a couple of things with regards to that: when you have an indirect free kick inside the box, you are no more than eighteen yards from the goal. And I agree with the first one because Sims was in space, and they spoke about this on Sky. That could easily have been touched and then touched again to Sims, and he could shoot. But the one that gets me is just smash the fuck out of the ball. 
and see what happens. Because a goalkeeper's instinct is not to leave a ball that's going in the back of the net. Look at the instinct of the goalkeeper Dabrowski when Rocky played it back to him. And that's another one. It's just it's a yellow card when it could easily be a red for stopping a, a, a goal, basically. And then Hearts are penalised further, not with a direct free kick, but with an indirect free kick. So the instinct of a goalkeeper is to try and stop the ball, which then increases the chances of a touch taking place before the ball gets into the back of the net. But yeah. we didn't we didn't learn anything from Saturday because it was pretty much the same again, albeit it should have been a penalty. Second half hearts were much better. Um, I, I mean, I, I said after the game, I felt, you know, decisions aside, I thought it was a fairly poor quality match and neither side really did enough to win. Although, although obviously, if we get given the penalties, we got a good chance of it. But... Um, Sims again involved a good intensity in the second half. I thought centre of the park were a bit better. Um, wing backs came into it. I thought this is where Joel Sked and I really disagreed with one another after the game. I thought second half Atkinson was one of our best players. I thought he was really good second half. Um, and Joel just thought he was well off it. And I know he got a bit of stick on Twitter for it. I didn't, I just did not see that. He wasn't well off it. Um, I said earlier, I love how he's always thinking about getting forward. That is, if you're a centre-back, Ryan, playing alongside him, and hopefully you both do for the national side, you've got to be loving the fact that your right back, your right wing back is bombing forward um, and, and trying to be part of the attack. He just has to work a little bit on knowing when to get rid and not to take that, that extra touch. But I wouldn't say, uh, I wouldn't agree with Joel that he was, he was well off it. Um, I thought he, he was brave. Because that is that's not an easy an easy fixture to play in. Your second touch, you're getting smashed. It's a one touch game, um, the Edinburgh Derby for for long spells. The way that that game was, and I was desperately seeking a, an image on Google of a football with an elastoplast on it because that's what it was like. It was just headless chickens running around because there wasn't any time for a second touch. So to have a player that wants the ball, give me that all day over someone that that isn't interested and just kind of doesn't fancy it because it's too intense. Look, Barry Mackay didn't have his best game, but that's recency bias. People say, oh, Barry Mackay was hopeless. It, it, some games suit players better. Sometimes you need a little bit more time. Uh, other times, even if it's quick, you can do something in a game. It just bypassed him. That's fine. He's still been our best player this season, or one of them, and you have games like that. It, it can't be easy, Ryan, to play in a game like that um, certainly for Natty, who's he's never experienced that tempo before. Yeah. It was only his second game as well. Not counting the Auckland Lake game, but it's his second, you know, league game for Hearts, away to Hibs, you know, arguably one of the hardest fixtures of the season. And like you said, I was just really impressed with his eagerness to try and create and try and get on the ball, like you said. You know, it that's bravery. You know, people talk about bravery in, in certain ways, but getting on the ball and trying to make things happen is being brave because it does, it gives you that option or it has that consequence of if you do lose it, i.e. the Celtic game a couple of weeks beforehand, is if you continuously get on the ball, you are going to make mistakes, but you are also, on the flip side, going to create chances. And um, like you said, he was a really good outlet for, for Hearts, I thought, throughout the whole game, but especially the second half. So... 
but that's football. That's why everyone loves football is because you can go watch it with five of your mates and you come back after the game and you've got five <laughs> different man of the matches and five different of course. players yeah. who should never play again. So it's, um, <laughs> yeah, it is good. But yeah, from a personal point of view, I was, I was really happy with, um, with how he played and, and handled that whole situation. I thought he did really well. Do you remember it's your fun. first Edinburgh derby, Ryan? And were you taken aback <laughs> by the speed of it? Uh, playing in it or watching? Yeah. No, play, playing in it and you thought, gee, you realise quickly that there isn't a, there isn't time for a second touch on some occasions. Yeah, yeah, it's, it it is. You just kind of forget how intense it is, and, and then when you get on the on the pitch, that just intensifies. It's intense watching it, and then when you're on the pitch, it's even it's a hundred times more intense. And um, yeah, you just very rarely get a chance. And it seems like the whole game you're just trying to catch your second wind. You know, like the your first ten minutes is normally like incredible pace and then you look up at the clock and it's 10 12 minutes on the clock and you think right okay the game might slow down and it just <laughs> doesn't slow down at all especially the ones that we played in and um yeah th i thought it was quite tasty that there's a few players that that both opposition fans don't particularly like um which i think yeah. always makes those derbies a bit better you know years gone by there's kind of been not that sort of pantomime villain for one or the other whereas i feel like now yeah. there's there's definitely sort of those villains on either side, which which makes the crowds, which just brings that intensity to the game. And um, yeah, I'm just more disappointed that the referee bloody couldn't give a penalty and we didn't win. I'm slightly surprised, Laurie, that Cami Devlin stayed on as long as he did. We all knew he was going to get booked. I mean, he, pretty, he said that without <laughs> saying that in the build-up. Yeah. And for Peter Haring to come on as late, I'm not saying we got away with that one, but I think that was maybe an unnecessary gamble because I wouldn't want you to play the last 10 minutes of that game with 10 men. No, no. I think John Ewell was was similar for Hibbs. I thought it, took long, yeah. thought it took a lot longer than it should have for him to get booked and he obviously got taken off. I think he actually had a knock in the end. Uh, it's interesting though, talking about the derbies. Now, I was having this debate with someone the other day, the other night about expectation and I, I know I tweeted something and a few people tweeted similar things after the game saying, it gets frustrating that we have to go back to the, you know, not even a poor, not a terrible result, but we keep going back to, you know, if people complain about certain things, suddenly we talk about Robbie not being good enough or he's not the man to take us forward. And it's like, we can we can moan about a performance. Like I was, I moaned about it afterwards. I thought we started really poorly. I thought I was disappointed overall with how we approached the game and how much we kind of let Hibs um, get at us at times, but it wasn't jumping to the conclusion that I now don't think Robbie should be the boss. That, that time might come again. But right now, you know, sitting third, 10 points clear on the run that we're on, a draw away from home to Hibs, albeit a Hibs team that a lot of Hearts fans were looking forward to maybe getting a result against. Um, a draw suits us better. Kept us 10 points clear, kept us 12 clear of them. Uh, in terms of expectations, so this is something someone said to me, well, we need to do something in the cup. So, but I was like, but we'll probably finish third. Like, how, how often do Hearts teams finish in the top three and do something in the cups. I mean, it just doesn't happen very often. So I mean, so I had a I had a look back through because I was trying to work out, you know, benchmarking. You know, wh where are the expectations coming from in recent times. So I mean, um, since so in about the last almost thirty years, say since nineteen ninety two, Hearts teams that have managed a top three finish and got to at least the semi final of one of the cups in the same season. It's happened three times. Um, it's a quiz. <laughs> It's not a quiz. No, it's just a discussion more than a quiz. So, 97-98, oh, yeah. 
under Jeffreys, won the Scottish Cup, finished third. 2002-2003, finished third under Craig Levine, and we got to the semi-final of the League Cup, and 05-06 under... How, how many managers, how many, how many fingers have you got? Um, we finished second and won the Scottish Cup. I feel that 0506 is a bit of an anomaly in there because that was with finances that are completely unrealistic for part of Midlothian. Um, but we haven't managed that in over 15 years. Mm-hmm. And even that one was with you know ridiculous an investment, that 0506 game. So only top three finish in the last decade was Robbie. Um, and if we do it this season, it'll be two occasions since 2011 that we've done it. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect under Robbie Nielsen. Last season, you know, it'd be hypocritical because last season we both said we felt it was time to go after that cup result and the subsequent performance after in the league. But in terms of how he's done, the one thing that, this is the one thing I think often defines it. So Robbie Nielsen's derby record as a manager, he's won two, He's drawn five and he's lost two. So just two wins in nine. That's a good and derby. Not, right? and, and, yeah, and it, but he's not won at Easter Road. So that's another no, stick for I was gonna say, to with. I was going to say, it's a good derby record if you're a Hibs manager. If you're a Hearts manager, it doesn't compare to some because, and this is where it gets tricky because you look at Gary Locke, um, won four, drawn one and lost two with very little, but you know, beat Hibs all the time. The results against other teams didn't work and he did have one hand tied behind his back. Paolo Sergio, Ryan, Four out of four derbies. And let's be honest, I know you're a part of the team. Hearts were very average in the league that season. Much yeah. more average than this Hearts side. Yeah. But Paolo Sergio won a lot of big games. He won the Cup 5-1 and he beat Hibs every time he played them. Ryan, do you think that's one of the deciding things here with Robbie Nielsen? Because if you look at it um, without taking emotion or that rivalry into account, an outsider would look at this and go... Where are the expectations coming that you think what he's doing is even remotely poor compared to the last two or three decades? Yeah, I remember um, Darren Maria, under-19s coach, um, and similar to Lockie, they used to just say to us that the derby was no bigger than any other game, but to the fans and to the club and to everyone around you, it is on a pedestal. It is a much, much bigger game. And he always used to say, if you play well in the derby, that buys you poor performances because people will just remember that. that they just remember derbies and they just remember yeah. those results. So if you score, if you win, or if you do things, it does buy you that little bit of time. On the flip side of that, it's like you. you make a mistake. Yeah, exactly <laughs> like me. If you make a mistake or if you, don't, if you don't play well, it does stay with you no matter how well you're doing. And I think that's case in point with Robbie Nielsen. I think the the whole Scottish Cup replay and the Hibs eventually go on to win that. I, I don't think there's a lot of Hearts fans that will that won't let him that won't leave him until he probably beats him in a final. Mm-hmm. I think that would just be sort of you know under their skin for a lot of them. And um, like you said, you look back at Lockie and that's what everyone says. Oh, he always used to beat Hibs, but they would forget that he would lose to Motherwell at home and St Johnson at home and everybody else. But they're the games that fans are really invested in. They're the games that as soon as the fixtures are out, when are we playing Hibs? Where and, you know, is that Easter Road? Is that Hearts? What dates? They're not worried about everything else. And I think that's where some people have that sort of thing with Robbie. I don't know what it is, but that thing where as soon as there's one poor result, it's, 
oh, Robbie's not good enough or Robbie or big games or Robbie does this, Robbie does that. If you like any other any other club, be looking at Hearts right now and be thinking, what a position they're in. Signings they've got, players on long term contracts, the player the standard of players that they're bringing in uh, with the European or with the Champions League, with the Europa League. You know, you, you're possibly two games away from being in the Europa League next season, which is incredible. Yeah. Considering we in the championship last year. I mean, Mark, do you think you see there? I mean, he's not lost many derbies, but the problem is he's drawn quite a lot of them. And maybe Tuesday was a case in point. And I don't know if he kind of saw this at the end. So when Hibbs almost scored at the death, which Toby Civic did brilliantly to, to get in position to stop on the line, we then put Haring on and you could see an instant reaction from the bench. It was almost like, actually, this is okay. We've got five added minutes. We've been looking like we were going to go for trying to get the win in the second half. I think that triggered something on the bench, said, let's just see this out. Nil-nil is a better result for us than them. And is that sort of, I'm not saying the attitude, because I thought we, we went out the second half looking to get three points and we were unlucky in many ways not to. We created much better chances and their goalkeeper was brilliant, man of the match. But is it that almost sensible approach sometimes that is actually maybe, apart from, you know, we could talk about the Cups as well. I don't want to get into them too much. But in terms of derbies, is that maybe something that irks fans a little bit with what Robbie Nielsen's done as Hearts manager? I'll tell you what irks a minority. The 7th of February, 2016. Arnold Jum, yes, Sam Nicholson, 2-0 yes, yes. up. 10 minutes to go. Robbie Nielsen in charge. Jason Cummings, Paul Hanlon in stoppage time. Take it back to Easter Road with a replay. Jason Cummings after four minutes and Hibs go on to win the Scottish Cup for the first time since 1902. There are those who, rightly or wrongly, as far as everyone else is concerned, they will never forgive him for that. They will enjoy the fact that he's doing well with Hearts right now, but it has, it has him on a bit of a shorter leash. So the expectation among Hearts fans and about Robbie Nielsen. I think this is a really interesting topic to discuss because there are some people in life who are only happy when they're miserable. And you can't take that away from some people. That, that, that's the way they are. There are some people that have made their mind up. Football fans, and I'm not being hypocritical here. I've made my mind up on certain people. I've been totally wrong. But you're kind of in a position whereby you double down rather than admitting you got it wrong. And there are two or three things in life right now that are making the news that can, can focus on that as well. So when you have an opinion about someone and you've had that opinion for a while, it's, it's hard to change your mind. There's something that's happened will all... And it, it's recency bias as well. And Ryan and you are both talking about you scored a winning goal against him, so you scored a cup final on a 5-1. That's it. doesn't matter what else you do in your career. I understand that. I totally get that. But give me a 10-point lead in third, having not beaten Hibs yet this season and not lost to them yet, despite the fact we should have beaten them both, rather than two wins over Hibs and yeah. sixth, seventh, there's, there's probably going to be two more opportunities. Certainly one. That one's going to be at Tynecastle. I'd like to think we both finish in the top six. Because an Edinburgh derby for me used to be the first one. I used to get a pink on a Saturday night when the fixtures came out in the summer. It was always... Who's at home first in the first derby? Where or what date? This is before they were able to change it for TV. What date is the New Year fixture? It was always about Hibs. That was the first game. I want them to be top six with us because I want another derby. 
it's what we get out of it. And it gives Robbie Nielsen a chance if we have a fourth derby this season, uh, assuming we don't meet them in, in the cup, it gives Robbie Nielsen another chance to, to win at Easter Road. But the, the whole perception of, of, of Robbie Nielsen is, is an interesting one. And I think, uh, as I said earlier, we're on the whole, on average, we're two-thirds of what we're capable of. To still have an extra third, to still have a couple of gears to go up, that's pretty impressive. We've not reached our pinnacle yet, far from it, and we're still much better than the rest. Now, we've not beaten Hibs this season so far, a couple of nil-nil draws. I think bigger picture here is what a lot of people forget. Okay, let's look ahead to this weekend. Another big game for Heart of Midlothian as they travel to Ibrox to face reigning champions Rangers. But Rangers side have conceded six goals in their last two games and took a bit of a thumping in the week in the old firm derby. Now, Ryan, is this a game where we can try and take advantage advantage of a, a wounded animal or will that be a Rangers side looking to bounce back and we'll be on the end of the response following the disappointment midweek? No, get right at them. Yes. Yep. Right, get absolutely right at them. Do not give them a minute because everyone in that stadium will be raging at the weekend. And mm-hmm. the first thing that they're going to do is look for a response. And if hearts start on the front foot, then it's just going to be, it'll just be chaos. It, it just won't be a good place for a Rangers player to play, which is mm-hmm. the perfect place for a hearts player to play. And I think that should just be the what's everyone's speaking about between now and the game but from a Hearts perspective. By the way, look, um, that, that, that could be Hearts team talk. What Ryan has just said could easily be Hearts team talk. I think you've nailed it, Gozo. Thanks. I'll speak to Robbie, see if I can get zoomed in. <laughs> if Ross Robbie, County can score three against them, then bloody Hearts can score a couple at Ibrox, can't they? They've won two of five. They drew against Aberdeen. They drew at Ross County. They got thumped at Celtic. Ryan is 100% spot on. If they'd gone to Celtic Park and they had won, they, honestly, Sunday couldn't come quick enough. Mm-hmm. Hello? Oh, is that you? Hello? Uber Eats, you're delicious. Is that your sushi? <laughs> no, I already got it. I've eaten it. Is that, is that Ange? Oh, it's Ange. It's a Celtic podcasting. Don't that, you have a go yeah. off? Right, I'm on so, after. let's, let's, um, Let's get to the we're, crux of it. We've got, we've got to use, we've got to use, Ryan's right, we've got to use their fans because if they'd beaten Celtic, they would have been jumping. The place would have been absolutely bouncing. They would have been on the front foot. The, the patience level of Rangers supporters on Sunday is nowhere near what it would have been had they got a much better result at Celtic Park. We cannot afford to allow them time to get the fans back on side. Do you know what I'd do if, if we went, we, you would centre? Cammy Devlin, play it back to Beningamy or whatever. I'd, get, I'd have a group of four or five of them on one side and just charge into the box, lump it forward, dingy someone with an elbow or whatever, or go up for a high ball. Well, straight red. <laughs> and, and not a, a kind of Ryan McGowan sly, sleek it way. And I didn't yeah. mean it, Rev. And if we get a free kick, but just make a proper challenge. Go up for the header, try and win it, try and get the flick on. But just let them know that we are here 
Yeah. And we're here to, to play a game, not just kind of, oh, okay, we'll wait until see what you've got. No, Ryan's right. Proaction, not reaction, please. Are we going to do it, Ryan? Are we going to, are we going to go there and are we going to get a, a result? Yeah. We're going to get all 100%. three points. Yeah. 100%. I think we will. I, think oh. we will. Oh. I, just, I just think that they're on a real, it, well, it would dep- if they have our mindset and if they're approaching the game that we hope that they will, I think we'll win. If they go there and let Rangers build into the game and get on the ball and start, you know, doing their combinations and start going forward and giving them confidence, then I think it will be a long afternoon for Hearts. But if they like what Mark said, that first five ten minutes, you t- if I'm Robbie, I'm telling every single player, you lose a challenge in the first ten minutes, you're off. That's it. We've got five subs now, so I can yeah. I can keep going. <laughs> you, you're off. You can't lose it. You either foul them, you get smashed into them, you win all your, win every single challenge that's going on and make sure that everybody on that pitch knows in that first 10 minutes that we're not here to mess around and then let's see what they've got about them. Because I think with 60,000 Rangers fans, it will be absolutely ranging. Uh, 50, it's your team. 50, your, team your team holds 60. That's <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I wasn't the only one. That's on another opposition podcast. If we're going yeah, to start bringing these up, but I was uh-huh. I was on an opposition podcast to wind up Hibs fans as a Hearts fan. I was on so, an opposing team to talk to talk about Celtic to talk about the manager, fellow countryman. You went on a Celtic podcast to talk about Celtic, a fellow countryman. It was oh, Ryan that- McGowan's insight into Ange Postecoglou. It wasn't. Insight into how Celtic going uh-huh. in the league. Uh-huh. Okay. Not by that. Not by that. You weren't on any Ash Barty or Dylan Alcott Aussie Open podcasts just because they're your countryman or countrywoman. Let's um, move swiftly on because yes. Well, bo- bo- both of you don't like. Shush! It's my turn. Both of you should be ashamed of yourself appearing on Hibs and Celtic podcasts. Here is your stat of the weekend, and feel free to use this at Ibrox. If Hearts keep a clean sheet, you know what's going to happen now. If Hearts keep a clean sheet for three minutes, the first three minutes, it will have been seven hours of football since Hearts last conceded away from home. That is bloody impressive. Clean sheet at Easter Road, at Beechwood Park against Stockton Lake Talbot, at Dens Park against Dundee, at Livingston, in whatever the fuck their stadium is called these days. And it's Furuhashi's goal was the last time we conceded on our travels six hours and 57 minutes ago. What is there to be frightened of? Hearts do not lose this game. That's my prediction. What about you, Mr. Dunsire? Yeah, well, I mean, we haven't won a top flight game at Ibrox since a game that Mr. Ryan McGowan played in, actually, 3rd of March 2012, when... Ryan McGowan came on for the last six minutes to replace Gary Glenn to see out a 2-1 victory after Steve Davis had given Rangers a first half lead Ian Black with a cracking goal to level and then Jamie Hamill converted the rebound after a penalty was saved with 11 minutes to go I yeah, I'm optimistic I feel like we should get something out of this a 1-1 draw last time um I think it will maybe be famous last words, isn't it? Be less sort of wasn't smash and grab, but we were under the cosh first half. I, I want us to I want to see us start stronger in this one, like Ryan says, try and exploit the fact that their fans will maybe be a little bit anxious, a little bit unhappy, and if they don't get going quickly, 
um, they'll quickly get on their backs and hopefully that can have a positive impact. I'm going to replicate that scoreline. I'm going to say 2-1 hearts. You know, I'd like to see, Sims like on to the see score your, your dream come true, having said it every single week, Barry Mackay gets a late winner for hearts at Ibrook. How He wouldn't not celebrate, would he? Would he be in the corner with the top off or would he kind of go, no, no, calm down. He just said Sims there. You just said yeah, Sims scoring. I did. I did. Also, I would also love to see Barry Mackay score. But listen, you said two goals. Ball. Two goals? Okay. Two oh, goals. Okay. One one for Sims and, and Barry Mackay with a winner. Yeah. Does, he does he celebrate or does he uh, does he kind of... No, no. Muted celebrations. But, yeah. Nah, fuck oh. it. Top off. Depends <laughs> yeah. on the score. Depends Last minute winner. Last Look minute winner. Oh. If I'm playing and he scores last minute, I'm stripping him. Even if he doesn't want to do it. Right. So you're getting in the crowd. Give me, a, give me a score and a scorer then, Ryan. 2 0. 2 0, Jam Tarts. I'm going to go Cat Among the Pigeons, Suter. Oh. <laughs> and oh. to get it right up him. <laughs> how does he celebrate? If he, if he scores, how does he celebrate? I'm running to the Hearts fans if I'm Suter and I score. Okay. Because I think as much as it would annoy. Rangers fans at the game, that's the type of player that you want to have. Sure. Because he's playing for the club that's he's being paid for. Do you know what I mean? You've also got to remember the Glasgow Goldfish Bowl. They think differently from everyone else. Yeah. Mark, score sheet, scorer. I'm going to go for a goalless draw. And the, uh, oh, the what? Game... Oh. Fuck off, you two. Oh. I'm allowed to say that because I've not been on a hips or a Celtic podcast over the last oh, few years. You are probably on oh. a Rangers one. Yeah. What's the fun in that? Where's draw. the fun? It keeps... Bad draw. I don't think we'll lose. I think, I mean, I think Craig Gordon will keep a clean sheet. I can't okay. believe the reaction to this. Okay, okay. More I mean, important, more important for Hearts. Of course <laughs> you would. More important for Hearts, for me, are the games against Dundee, Livingston, St. Johnston and St. Mirren that follow. And if we can if we can avoid defeat at Ibrox twice in one season, and I'll have to look through the history books to see when the last time that was, if we can get something from this game, that would be a huge boost going into the midweek game against Dundee, the cup tie against Levy, and then then a trip to the Saints. I reckon it's that season, the 2011-12 season. I don't think we got beat at Ibrox. It might be a good shot. First game of the season, Drew one one. Was I started that game? And then, if you said that we oh, I started. Beat him That's why we didn't in April. I, I actually got man of the match if I remember correctly. What with the one you came on for six minutes? No, the, the first game no, of the season. I remember you had a good game against was at Ortiz, whatever his name Ortiz. was. I remember that was be because pissed. I was too scared of Jim Jeffries. <laughs> Jeffries was like. They've signed some fucking Spanish waiter that we've never heard of. If he gets past you once, you'll never play again. <laughs> and you've done him he got subbed 14 minutes to go okay we've got our predictions so I, before we go I just thought it'd be good to it's a quick acknowledgement that it was, it was good to see the tribute from both sets of fans in the 13th minute yes. to Devin Gordon mm, I, know we've, yeah. I know we've mentioned it a few times in the last few podcasts but I don't think you can mention it too many times no. to be honest um, and it was good to see the Hibs fans um, with a banner and, and paying tribute as well and it was actually quite um, emotional wasn't it yeah, yeah, that was it was good, and the game got stopped as well, which was yeah. which was good. I think to that see. was um, Louis Stevenson stopped it. Didn't yeah, he? yeah, it was. Credit to him. I really so, like that when 
when football was similar to when um, Celtic joined in with the, or was it Rangers that joined in with the Zalukas? When football does that, when they sort of all partner up and for the yeah. greater good, it's um, really good to see. It was, it was, it was a touching moment. Um, but we will be back next week, um, hopefully talking about uh, a big victory at Ibrox, not a nil-nil draw. Oh, we'd all take it, would we? We'd all take it. Um, until then, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Just call me for delivery. They know me. I got sushi. Just call me for delivery. From Monday to Sunday, whatever you need, I got sushi. Just call me for delivery. You need a